A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. To build back better or whatever. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. To be ready for pandemic two, I, I call this pandemic one. We've got to get them vaccinated and hopefully they will do it willingly. It's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack. This is Connect Those Dots. Genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Well, hello and good night to all of you beautiful little dot connectors out there. Hi, good night, everybody. And welcome to another episode here of this humble little podcast, episode 40 here of Connect Those Dots. And I am your host, Joe. And what a week we had indeed. The midterms are pretty crazy. And in this episode, we are going to cover all of it the aftermath and also leading up to the elections and we're gonna have some laughs we're gonna have some rants because uh i I got a lot of opinions on these here we go again so leading up to the elections all we heard was red waves red waves it's gonna be red flood joe rogan was saying it's the red wave is gonna be like the elevator scene in the shining you know, all these things. The red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> and uh, here we are now after the elections are all said and done. And it wasn't really so much a red wave. It was more of like a purple mudslide, I guess you could call it. Purple ooze, purple mist, purple smog. It, it was it was just because everything is so murky. Everything's so up in the air. Everything's so mind-boggling. And if you were paying attention to any of the lead-up to these elections, you're scratching your head with these results because uh, I know I am. But I'm not so much scratching my head in bewilderment of like, I can't believe there wasn't a red wave. I knew there wasn't going to be any red wave. With all of this talk leading up to red wave, red wave, all this stuff, I knew it wasn't going to be the way that they were predicting it to be the democrats have tricks up their sleeves they're a bunch of ghouls and goblins and all they do is lie and cheat and steal okay we can look at all of them and we're gonna look at a lot of them but j- just take a snapshot of the democrats the prominent democrats take a snapshot of them in your in your mind right now joe biden Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Gavin Newsom, Beto O'Rourke, Stacey Abrams, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Kathy Hochul in New York City, who we're going to talk a lot about in this episode. They're all like Batman Gotham City cartoon caricatures. And very, just very freakish and Halloween looking. I post on my Instagram all the time. It's Halloween every day when you're a Democrat. Because all you got to do is look in the mirror and see the freak show that you are. Every day it's like, it's like watching, it's like living in an episode of The Addams Family every day when you're a Democrat. Because they're all just, they're all, you look at them and you're just like, are you serious? This is the guy? This is the girl that you're putting in front of me? As the leader of your party? As the selected individual that you prop up there to represent your ideals and how you think the country should be run? This is the best you got? And there is no better representation of this phenomenon, this manifestation of just the joke candidate phenomenon than... 
John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. My name is John Fetterwoman. If Joe Biden is Nosferatu and Gavin Newsom is the American psycho, Christian Bale, American psycho, and Lori Lightfoot is Beetlejuice and Kathy Hochul is the Green Goblin, then John Fetterman certainly is Frankenstein. And look, I do not want to sit here and just roast John Fetterman because I understand that the man had a stroke. What from? Who knows? He was always a very pro-experimental mRNA injection. And he brags about how he took uh, three of those puppies. So, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, had a recent stroke after bragging about how many injections he took from an mRNA experimental medicine. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But I don't want to just attack John Fetterman just for the sake of attacking him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to hurt his family's feelings. But this has to be understood that this man is not well. This man is not fit to serve. As many times as he'll tell you he's fit to serve and fit to serve and fit to fit. fit. They told me he was fit, fit, fit to serve. We've had our doctors uh, just be very clear that, that they're here, that we're able to and, and fit to, to, to serve. All my doctors believe that, that we're, we're fit to serve and that we are uh, uh, ready to, to serve. I quite frankly think it's abuse of a handicapped individual to trot him out there, have him read off your script. They literally type in a teleprompter for him to read off of because he cannot coherently come up with the answer on his own. And I'm going to play you that entire NBC news package that they did of John Fetterman's whole equipment and the whole crew that works with him to literally answer the questions for him because he cannot do it on his own. And it it brings me back to like Joe Biden even too. This is a whole thing that is very new to see where the Democrat Party, for whatever reason, they trot out these very incapable, very frail, very meek people that you really would not want being your leader, people that you really would not want leading you into battle, leading your country, leading your state, leading your future. People like Joe Biden, who who's, I mean, we know. Whatever you want to say, he's senile, he's a one flew over the cuckoo's nest, he's got Alzheimer's. Joe Biden is not fit to run the country. I mean, when we see it and we know it, and only the people that are completely hypnotized and mesmerized and too prideful to even admit that they're wrong are the only people that would disagree with you on that. But they trot out these, these puppets like Joe Biden and John Fetterman. I mean, and Joe Biden even admits that He's not allowed to say things. Am I allowed to say that, Nance? Am I, uh, I don't know how much I should say. They don't want me saying too much. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance. Whatever you want me to do. They take it to the new level now with John Fetterman, where he's literally an incoherent husk that they have to type in a computer for him to read the answer that they tell him to speak. So before we roast John Fetterman even more, before I play you all the clips of him stumbling and fumbling and being completely unintelligible, let me play you this NBC news package that they made um, you know, several weeks ago before he did his debate with Dr. Oz, before that cringy debate happened. This was a week before that debate, and NBC is going to tell you how cool it is, how trendy it is, how innovative it is for a political candidate to be hooked up to a third-party computer apparatus system that answers the questions for him because he cannot do so on his own. Here's the clip. Another pivotal Senate race in Pennsylvania, now considered a toss-up. Our Dasha Burns spoke with Democrat John Fetterman in his first in-person sit-down interview since he suffered a stroke. And Dasha, this was not a typical candidate interview. No, Lester, because of his stroke, Fetterman's campaign required closed captioning technology for this interview to essentially read our questions as we ask them. And Lester, in small talk before the interview without captioning, it wasn't clear he was understanding our conversation. So even the NBC news lady 
that is completely in the bag for the Democrats. NBC is a completely mockingbird media organization. She can't even sit there and tell you with a straight face that, uh, yeah, this Fetterman guy is completely normal. Because she knows that this is abnormal stuff. Can voters trust that you will be able to do this job on day one? Yeah, of, of course. This is Pennsylvania Democratic Senate candidate John Fetterman's first in-person sit-down interview since a stroke sidelined him from the campaign trail for months. That auditory processing where you know, I'll hear someone speaking, but sometimes I'll be able to be precise on what exactly that they're saying. I use captioning. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of the stroke, empathetic. Yeah. I, I always thought I was very empathetic uh, before having a stroke. But now after having that stroke, I really understand, you know, much more kind of the challenges that Americans have day in and day out. So he can't understand what she's saying in the conversation. So they caption it for him so he can read the statements. That she, and then even on top of it, they type in things to help him answer the questions. So it's it's unbelievable. He's like a little voice box. He's like a little AI voice box that they just type in questions to and then facilitate the answers to. And then he can't even speak. You saw him right there. Empathetic. And look, again, I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. I'm really not trying to just blatantly crap all over him quite frankly i think it's abuse to even put him in these situations put him in the public eye and have him be seen by all of america all of the world because john fetterman has become a meme on the world stage let's continue with this news package here because it's really insightful i'm going to try and play it through so you say you're on the road to full recovery but right now, voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? Well, I, I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways. When our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to, to be uh, running. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now? I mean, this lady is really trying for him. She's like, um, uh, don't you think that your doctor should have said it after you had the stroke? Don't you think that would be a little bit more relevant to, you know, the time that we're in now? <laughs> this is like a competitive runner talking about that he can compete in the race after his legs are broken, but he's going to use a motorized scooter to participate in the race. I mean, this is literally what it's like. They have Fetterman hooked up to all this technology. They have all these fake doctor's notes. I mean, doctor told me, but I, I mean, at least she calls him out and says, yeah, your doctor said that before you are what you are now. And make no mistake, it's not like John Fetterman was some Rhodes Scholar. It's not like John Fetterman was some all-knowing sage of wisdom and knowledge before he stroked out. This guy's been a clown and a joke and a mess ever since he's been in the public eye, quite frankly. Got a giant boil on his neck. He wears hoodies all the time. He looks like the discovery of Bigfoot. He looks like Frankenstein. He looks like a Sasquatch. He looks like a troll. He's not a very distinguished individual. Even when he wore a suit, when they tried to put him in a suit, they tried to dress him up a little bit for the debate with Dr. Oz. He still looked like a clown show. I mean, so this is just what we're dealing with here. And he gives all of these canned answers. We, we've been very transparent. Yeah, you're pretty transparent. I can see you're hooked up to machinery, dude. I can see you're, you're a cyborg. I can see that you're a hackable animal. You, you're hacking the system right now. Hackable animal. Being on, in front of thousands and thousands of, of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's, it's really the issue. 
Polls show Fetterman's lead is shrinking against Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz. It's now a toss-up race that could determine control of the Senate. Republicans focusing on crime. In particular, Fetterman's votes on the parole board. Fetterman says he's trying to get as many criminals out of prison as he can. Including votes in favor of paroling convicted murderers. Are you soft on crime? Uh, of course not. I'm actually effective on crime and I believe in second chances, uh, and I've run on that record. Meanwhile, Fetterman going after Dr. Oz on abortion rights. Dr. Oz likes to make fun of me that I might miss a word, but you know he's missed you know two words, and that is a yes or no on the national abortion uh, ban. If you're going to be our next senator, you have to give the answer. Lester Fetterman told us he is committed to debating Dr. Oz on October 25th, where he will also be using closed captioning. All right, that's enough. That's enough of that. It's just funny. Dr. Oz might think I miss word here, there, but he missed three word, and those words are Roe v. Wade. You know, I mean, it's all just these silly canned answers that just are so hollow, so intangible so transparent and so j just see-through, just see right through all of these canned answers if you have half a brain, if you understand what's going on. And on top of it, they bring him up there with all of this baggage. Literal baggage. They need to bring bags. They need to bring cases. They need to roll out a tent of equipment for this guy. And I'm not sitting here saying like Dr. Oz is some uh, great candidate. He's a squishy Republican too. Just because somebody is a Republican doesn't mean I automatically like them. But when you see the freak show of the Democrats and when you see the demonic people that control the Democrats, like the World Economic Forum agenda setters, I mean, how could you vote for a Democrat? How could you vote for a Democrat when you see, how could, how could anybody vote for John Fetterman? I mean, I just, it doesn't compute to me. It doesn't make sense. Say what you want about Dr. Oz, but you know what? At least Dr. Oz is kind of in the center. So he's not super, quote, far right. And far right nowadays just means that you don't want to chop little boys' dinglings off. You don't want to chop little girls' breasts off. You don't want to have drag queen pedophile time in the schools. You don't want forced inoculations every year. You don't want government declaring pandemic lockdowns and taking your business. You don't want medical fascism. You don't want corporate fascism. But they call you a fascist, far-right person for not wanting fascism. That's just the inverted world that we live in today, of course. But Dr. Oz was kind of like a normie centrist type guy. So he would attract that more moderate, independent vote where if you don't know anything about politics and you, you just see Fetterman once... You should be like, this guy? This, this is the guy that they want me to vote for? You should you should be seriously? Is this like an SNL skit or something? But no, he, he evidently won. Here we are, after the elections, after the votes. Fetterman's your guy. So uh, I guess it's like the new trendy thing or something to have babbling, incoherent imbeciles, you know, represent your political party. I mean, look at Joe Biden. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him... Uh, foot, foot. Yes, President Joe Biden. 83 million votes. Most votes ever in American history ever. And if you say anything otherwise, you're a domestic terrorist, science denier. But yeah, Joe Biden uh, babbles and gargles and gurbles around like an incoherent mushmouth. Biden's being a pop of... A, 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 a cop of... Biden's being an extremist. So I, I think that's like the new trend in the Democratic Party because, you know, John Fetterman is completely jacking Joe Biden's whole style, whole flow. Like in hip hop, they have, oh, he, he, he took my flow. Well, yeah, if it worked for Joe Biden, it could work for John Fetterman. Here's John Fetterman. Here's just a big compilation of uh, some of his greatest hits. I'm running on Roe v. Wade, and I think that's the law of... The law, we've had our doctors uh, just be very clear that, that they're here, that we're able to and, and fit to, to, to serve. He doesn't stand for universal back checks. Here's somebody that doesn't take it so secret, uh, so, uh, seriously. All my doctors believe that, that we're, we're fit to serve and that we are uh, uh, 
ready to, to serve. I'm proud of our uh, the record that I'm running on it and, and actually being the only person in this campaign that actually successfully addressed and fought for gun violence here. <laughs> that one always cracks me up. All of our doctors believe that we are absolutely ready to be fit to, to be serving. It speaks to, I think, uh, uh, the, a character, you know, uh, your campaign traffics and how many words that I miss. Trump has called and he would pardon every one of the insurrections that day. <laughs> I love it. The Breitbart made this compilation and they just take all these sort of out of context quotes from Fetterman. It's just like a rapid fire. It's, I think it's brilliant. It makes me laugh every time. I, I, I believe, uh, I mean, I, I certainly, the, during, during the debate, I mean, I, I was very much aware that I, I had a stroke. They were Republicans using their deceased mem uh, mummery, uh, uh, mo uh, mothers. And this is someone that never once spent a single idea about crime. I do believe that uh, he su uh, supports Roe v. Wade. He believes that you should have military-grade weapons in their arms. That's exactly what's the, the appropriate, and that's what I support. They actually endorsed Pat Trumi back in 2016. That's that's a point uh, that was compatible uh, made in, in June. It's the it was the lake. Excuse me. It was the the law of the of the nation. I cho choose the uh, you know my real doctors composed to some of the criticism from like, uh, you know, like a real Dr. Oz. Now, I, I believe that, that my support of fracking has always been been one that in, in the past uh, was some of the environmental concerns. I, I, I never thought this was somebody that would, um, the <laughs> so many things. Hi, good night, everybody. Hi, good night, everybody. Goodbye. Good morning, everybody. So there he is. John Fetterman. The Frankenstein of the House of Horrors that is the uh, Democratic Party is. I like to call him the Democratic Party. I think it's very fitting. And I think Frankenstein is very fitting to call him. Frankenstein was resurrected from the dead and zapped together with technology. And it's very fitting archetypes for these people. <laughs> It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Joe Biden, Nosferatu, old thousand-year-old vampire, aristocratic, scaly, flaky freak that creeps everybody out, that like lurks around in the corner and is a vampire and drinks blood and they give Joe Biden blood infusions. Nosferatu. Gavin Newsom, the American psycho. I mean, just look at him. He just looks like like Christian Bale in the American Psycho movie. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Jerry Nadler is like the penguin. Oswald Cobblepot. Look, Jerry Nadler looks like the penguin from Batman. Like He literally looks like the character, the penguin, got plucked out from the comic book and manifested in physical form in real life in front of us. Jerry Nadler is one of the most pathetic, creepy, clown, goofball politicians. Like, you couldn't even imagine, like, you, you could imagine him. DC Comics already did imagine him, but they didn't realize that it was a real person. Hey, my name is not Oswald. It's Penguin. I am not a human being. I am an animal. Cold-blooded. Crank the AC. Where are my lists? Bring me the name. Oh, it's time. And speaking of comic book villains brought into real life, this leads me to Kathy Hochul. Now, I'm in the New York area. I'm in the tri-state area. So, this one's a little personal for me. Kathy Hochul since the very moment she got onto the scene, disgusted me to no end. They brought her in as some sort of backup plan, contingency, uh, bench rider, if they ever had to get rid of Cuomo. And yeah, they had to get rid of Cuomo. 
They say that, oh, he was sexually harassing people. Oh, hashtag me too. I think that was just sort of a alibi to get him out because things really were starting to heat up with what he did in the nursing homes during the COVID crisis. Crisis. So we know all about Cuomo. We know he's an evil globalist bastard who wanted to mandate a vaccine in your arms literally a day after... Joe Biden got elected, just like all of them, just like how Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and all these people, all these Democrats were saying, don't take the vaccine. Trump's vaccine's going to kill you. Trump's vaccine's going to kill you. Then as soon as he's gone, Donald Trump, as soon as he's gone, mandate the vaccine, pandemic of the unvaccinated. We need boosters. We need annual vaccines. We need to fire everybody who doesn't take our vaccine. Just getting on a little tangent about Andrew Cuomo, before I get into Kathy Hochul, you can see that New York City and New York as a whole just has trouble with freakazoids getting in power over there. Just like de Blasio before who we got now with Eric Adams, who's really not much better. And they're all freakish, they're all creepy, they're all unrelatable, and Kathy Hochul really takes the cake here. So before I get into the whole governor race and the recent goings-on with the how she beat Lee Zeldin, supposedly, let's take a little step back, a little blast from the past here, a little bit over a year ago, when she first took the seat of the governor in New York, and this is one of the first things that she ever did as governor in New York. She gets out a podium... And she's talking about mandatory vaccines. And here's what she says. This is the first thing I ever saw of Kathy Hochul. And if you haven't seen this before, I'm glad you're seeing it now because it makes quite an impression. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. Now, I can do an entire show on just this statement alone because the level of gaslighting, the level of inversion, The level of guilting, psychological warfare, mind control, cult-like psychological cultivating. She says it right there. I wear my vaccinated necklace proudly. See, I I wear a cross on my neck. All right? Kathy Hochul wears a necklace that says vaxxed. V-A-X-X-E-D. V-A-X-X-E-D. And it's a gold necklace and it says vaxxed on it. And she's talking about religious implications when it comes to this experimental mRNA injection. She's saying, you're my apostles. You're the smart ones. You took your sacrament to the COVID gods. You took your daily bread. You rolled the dice. You played Russian roulette. For our God of needles, our God of, in- of injections. You're the smart ones. But there's some out there and you know who they are. They're the dumb ones. They're not smart like you. They're not obeying our God of COVID. And tell them to get vaccinated. Tell them that Jesus told them to get vaccinated. This is satanic inversion. On a level unlike anything I've seen from anybody, whether it's Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, Yuval Harari, any of these freaks that I play for you, any of these globalist eugenicists that have established who they are, Kathy Hochul, in this very one instance, completely eclipses them. Even the Pope never even said, it's your religious duty to take a vaccine, but A few days after she becomes the unelected governor of New York City, she's telling you it's your religious duty 
to take an experimental mRNA nanotech gene editing injection made by the corrupt pharmaceutical companies who Pfizer, just one of them, Pfizer is the most sued company ever in existence. Any company ever, you can name them, Pfizer has been sued for more money than them. And there's Kathy Hochul wearing vaxxed on her necklace. See, I wear a cross on my necklace. Some people wear the Star of David on their necklace. Some Muslim people wear an eagle on their necklace. She wears vaxxed. That's the God that she worships. That's the cult programming. That's the gaslighting. That's the Jim Jones death cult mentality that these people have and they want to impose onto you. That's deep, bro. That's deep. So John Fetterman, I kind of felt a little bad when I bash him and roast him. But Kathy Hochul, she's a different kind of breed, man. She is a demonic freakazoid witch. And you can see it in her face just by her appearance. I call her the Green Goblin because she terrorizes New York. And that's what the Green Goblin does. Every time I post her on my Instagram, I put the little Green Goblin mask on her face. It's funny. I've been doing that for a while. For like actually a few months. Every time I post Kathy Hochul, I put the Green Goblin mask on her face. Because it, it just fits her little goblin orc face so well. And then I had no idea that there's a gang in New York... I, I knew of them. I knew that they dress up in green spandex outfits and they terrorize people on the subway. I didn't know that they called themselves the Green Goblins. So th there's the Green Goblin gang out there. And then there's Kathy Hochul, who's actually the Green Goblin supervillain terrorizing New York. It was just uncanny to me that, that the connection happened. And I was like, Kathy Hochul's the leader of the Green Goblins. And essentially, she's the head goblin. <laughs> Spider-Man, come out to play. But it's just so funny how these archetypes are so on point. Like Fetterman and Frankenstein, I was this big oaf that died and came back to life, and they used technology to keep him alive, and Kathy Hochul, she's this goblin, vampire-looking, freakazoid witch, and what does the Green Goblin do in Spider-Man? He tries to get Spider-Man on his side. He tries to invert Spider-Man. Listen, Spider-Man, you and I should work together. Listen, all you Christians out there that are, don't want to take the mark of the beast. It's your religious duty to take the mark of the beast. That's literally what she is. And that's what she does in that clip I just played for you. And her inversion has, has no bottom, has no end. Just like she was sitting there telling you it's your religious duty to take an experimental big pharmaceutical mRNA gene editing shot. Here she is telling you that crime is a conspiracy theory and that there is no crime and that her opponent Lee Zeldin was using the exploding crime in New York as a conspiracy theory to, to fear-monger people. Right after she got done fear-mongering you about a fake vaccine for a fake embellished pandemic now she's telling you her opposition is fear-mongering you telling you that there's crime in new york but she's telling you that there is no crime in new york and it's a conspiracy theory now these are master manipulators so on the very first statement alone these are master manipulators it's already out of the gates a complete 180, a complete opposite day, a complete inversion. These are master manipulators coming from a master manipulator. She's not really a master manipulator. Nobody takes her seriously. Everybody thinks she's a joke. But right out of the gates, right out of the gates, no halting, inversion immediately. Boom. Now, these are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. Nice one, Kathy. Nice one. They're not only election deniers, they're data deniers. Nice one, Kathy. You got them with that one. Your PR team really worked hard on that statement. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15%, even in New York City, down 20% on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. So that is a complete lie. Well, maybe it's not a lie. 
But the part that she fails to mention is that, okay, maybe crime did go down 15%. But in the last two years, it's gone up 400%. (laughs) So... Just like she says, master manipulators, Kathy Hochul thinks she's a master manipulator. She's going to get up there and just say, ah, 50%, 20% down. And then think that's enough to get her on your side. But if you're actually informed, if you know what's going on, if you actually pay attention to the statistics on a long timeline, not just for the night, not just, oh, I'm watching MSNBC one night. Let me see. Let me hear what Kathy Hochul has to say. Oh, she told me crime is down 15%. Okay, move on with my life. No, if you're actually paying attention to these statistics over a long enough timeline, you know what the truth is. You know she's gaslighting you. You know she is the manipulator. Here she is again in a different instance telling you crime doesn't exist in New York. He has been hyperventilating, trying to scare people for months. And New Yorkers are onto it. All the legitimate media organizations have called him out for what he is doing, fear-mongering. And I'm not even talking about the statistics. You can check that out yourself. I mean, does anybody take her seriously? She has her whole camp behind her nodding their heads along. Saying that Lee Zeldin's fear-mongering. Well, why did Lee Zeldin win over 30 counties in New York? Okay, Lee Zeldin won, I think even more, 30 to 40 counties in New York, Lee Zeldin won. And Kathy Hochul won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight! She wins eight counties, Lee Zeldin wins the rest of them. Oh, but he lost the election because, oh, she, she had a 90%, she had a 90% voter turnout in New York City, which is the most populated spot in New York. Oh, that's what they tell you. They just love Kathy Hochul so much. They're all just such brainwashed leftists in New York City. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that for a second. Just like Chuck Schumer got 80% of his vote in New York. 80% for Chuck Schumer? That gremlin? But I guess they just like I guess they just like Halloween so much in New York City that they just need to have demons running amok all over the place. They just love the Batman franchise so much that they just want to have villains running amok all over the place. They just vote for these people. And here's another thing. So Kathy Hochul wins eight counties in New York and Lee Zeldin wins the rest, like 30 to 40 counties. If you go on Lee Zeldin's Instagram page... He's got about 70,000 followers and you go on his posts and you look at his comments. It's all complimentary comments. I'm voting for you, Lee Zeldin, Zeldin for governor, down with Kathy Hochul. We need to keep New York safe. Please keep New York safe. All of these complimentary comments for Lee Zeldin. Then go to Kathy Hochul's Instagram page and you will see the opposite She has a little bit under 13,000 Instagram followers. And if you go on any one of her posts, go on any one of her posts, nothing but hatred, nothing but disdain, nothing but disgust. There are no complimentary comments for Kathy Hochul. Nothing. And she posts all of these things. Look, it's me and Cher. Look, it's me and Bill Clinton. Look, it's me and another washed up, has been establishment hack that nobody actually really likes. Look at me. I'm Kathy Hochul. I'm so popular. And then in the post of her and Bill Clinton, she's like, why are you with that rapist? Do you think that this will help you? And every comment, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, all of these things. Then she posts one of Cher. I hate Cher. Just because you posted of Cher, now I'm not going to vote for you. It's like, I mean, it's just a flood. That's the real red wave. It's a red wave of hatred for Kathy Hochul all over her social media. So I know that's just like empirical evidence. Okay, Instagram followers. Okay, Instagram comments. But it's definitely a sample size. Just like Donald Trump, he has giant rallies. He still has giant rallies 
where people come and it looks like a rock concert. There's huge lines. Joe Biden, nobody even knows that he has a live stream. The live stream that he does gets like less than a thousand views. You think anybody's buying tickets to a Joe Biden rally? No. Even in Pennsylvania with Oz. Oz has an enormous following. Has millions of people that know him. He's a, he's a big celebrity. He was loved universally only a few months ago before he started running for politics. But now all of a sudden, John Fetterman? An incoherent oaf? Who needs machinery just to communicate? Beats him in a fair election? Bruh. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me with this stuff. And then if you look to Arizona, as I'm recording this podcast, the Arizona election still has not been called. And from what I see, the two candidates, Katie Hobbs on the Democrat side and Carrie Lake on the Republican side, it's another same exact tale of the tape. You look at Carrie Lake's Instagram, she's got almost 400,000 followers. Almost 400,000 followers. And she goes on Fox News. She's, she goes on all of these publications. She's like a rock star in Arizona. She calls out the World Economic Forum. She's real deal. That's why they hate her so much. Then you look at her opponent, Katie Hobbs. You look at her Instagram. 60,000 followers. A fraction of Carrie Lake's following. And then you have all of these weird stories, voting machines being down, people being turned away to vote, votes not being counted, all of these things going on in Arizona. And of course, it's with the most hardcore candidate, Carrie Lake, who calls out the World Economic Forum. But Katie Hobbs, who's an absolute nobody, nobody even knows who she is. Katie Hobbs is going to beat Carrie Lake, and they're going to tell you that with a straight face. And they're going to tell you Joe Biden is the most voted for president in history with a straight face. And they're going to tell you John Fetterman won fair and square in Pennsylvania, even though he cannot speak, listen, or read for himself. So right now, I'm just like, what are they going to do next? Who are they going to trot out next? Because, like, where do you go from Fetterman? How do you up the ante with Fetterman? How do you go down deeper into the abyss of clown world? How do you, how do you have a sequel to John Fetterman? What, are they going to just bring out, like, a corpse next? And, like, tie strings to its wrist and ankles? And have some, and have a, a team of puppeteers, like, controlling him and, and having somebody, Hey, yeah, I'm going to answer the questions here. And, like, is that the next step? Are they going to have a hologram? Are they going to have like an AI hologram just come over and like be the new candidate? It's like that Black Mirror episode where like people don't have trust in politicians anymore. So they use this sort of universally loved cartoon character. And they run the cartoon character as like a politician. I'm not even kidding. And like the writer is sitting there writing for the cartoon character and, and voicing it and everything. And he gets jealous of the cartoon character that nobody knows that it's really him behind the cartoon. It's, it, it's like if they had Mickey, like they should have Mickey Mouse run for governor somewhere and see if they can get votes. Let's just see how far the American people will go down the clown hole. It's easy. They did it with Tupac. Actually, they should have the Tupac hologram run for governor or run for Senate or something. Have a little hologram of Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny or SpongeBob SquarePants and have a writer and a voice actor be in the background and speak for the cartoon character and run them as governor and see what happens. See, the Democrats and the globalists and the World Economic Forum are hearing this right now. They're like, this is brilliant. This is, this is fantastic. This is a complete psychological operation. Imagine, imagine all the hackable animals we can discover through this one. Hack millions of people. So that's where we are. It wasn't a red wave. It was a purple mudslide. We're not owning the libs. We're not having fair elections. Things are being stolen right in front of our eyes. Carrie Lake still hasn't won Arizona, even though she's losing to a non-competitor. And all the while this is going on, the Republican establishment can't say anything about it. They don't even bring it up. You know what they bring up? 
they drudge up and stir up and gossip on some WWE Real Housewives of New Jersey type vibes where they try to pit us against each other and pit DeSantis against Trump. That's the story that's been going on right now. That's what's been floating around. Not the election anomalies, not the fact that we all said it should have been a red wave and it was a purple mudslide, not the fact that Fetterman actually won, not the fact that the Green Goblin Kathy Hochul is still running amok in New York, not the fact that Chuck Schumer gets 80% of his vote in New York. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. None of these things are being brought up. Nobody cares. You know what they bring up? You know what they talk about? How much they don't like Donald Trump and like DeSantis. Or how much they don't like Ron DeSantis and like Donald Trump. Or how much, oh, DeSantis was made by Trump. Would be nothing without Trump. And then in the same token, it's Donald Trump is saying all sorts of silly stuff on his his truth social page. And you can look into that rabbit hole if you want. But... It's an obvious psyop that's going on right here. It's an obvious thing because you cannot put all of your stock into politicians. I don't think you should put any stock into your politicians, honestly, no matter how much you may like them. Because honestly, whether they have a D or an R next to their name, what I know is going on is that the World Economic Forum pulls the strings around the world. And they have an agenda, they have a doctrine, they have keywords and ideologies and messages that they want to convey on a global scale. So if we penetrate the cabinets. That is why all of the Democrats say the same exact thing. So in a way, Democrats with their policies, even the ones that don't know it, even the ones that don't go to the Davos meetings and don't know who Klaus Schwab even is... Democrats work for the World Economic Forum. That's all you need to know about Democrats. And if you're running as a Democrat, if you identify as a Democrat, maybe one day you'll wisen up and realize that they just parrot everything that the WEF says and that the Great Reset says and that the globalists say and that they have no descending opinions in their ideology. So it's a cult that works for the World Economic Forum, essentially. Democrat Party doesn't really exist as it did in a classical, liberal way, alright? It has essentially become a vessel or a mask that the global controllers use to sell their message to the population, okay? So, there's that. But then it leaves the Republican Party. And what, what, what is the Republican Party? There's these rhino establishment people like Mitch McConnell and... Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney and like Megyn Kelly and all these not real people, these synthetic people. And you notice they get nothing done. So these establishment Republicans, you know, Dan Crenshaw even too, they all work for the Democrats essentially because they don't do anything against the Democrats. They just facilitate the Democrats. But then, within the Republican Party, you have the so-called MAGA movement. And that is the real grassroots, voice of the people, liberty, American 1776 type of spirit that is real true and actually a movement of the people... And you see that that movement gets demonized. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. MAGA forces extreme MAGA Republicans, the extreme MAGA ideology. MAGA Republicans, MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. You see that it gets called domestic terrorist, anti-science, climate deniers, conspiracy theorists, all of the words that they use to demonize real just grassroots real people that don't want drag queen story time that don't want high inflation that don't want forced medical procedures all they really want are the simple things to provide for their family to make a reasonable salary to live their life happily pursue happiness and liberty 
That's all they want. That's all these MAGA Republicans want. But these are real people. We're not establishment empty suits like Mitch McConnell and Dan Crenshaw. So what happens is, is these establishment Republicans, who I just said, they work for the Democrats, it's like a trickle-down bullying scenario, okay? The World Economic Forum sort of controls and bullies the Democrats into saying what they want them to say, and then the establishment Republicans, who they know that if they just sort of maintain the status quo and just sort of float around, they'll have high salaries, they'll have a job for a lifetime, and they don't want any shakeups happening, they work for the Democrats who work for the World Economic Forum. Then you have this MAGA movement, and that's not good for the World Economic Forum. That's not good for the Democrats, and that's not good for the establishment Republicans. So when you see this divide and conquer psychological operation strategy, where they try to pit these two champions of that sort of MAGA movement, DeSantis and Trump, they want you to choose sides between them. That's a divide and conquer strategy, folks. So the best thing to do with this situation is not engage in their obvious trickery. This is obvious trickery. That's why all the media outlets are all talking about the same things. They all have the same talking points and they're not talking about any of the real issues. They're talking about DeSantis versus Trump. But we're all on the same side. We all want the same things. Why are we going to face each other if we all want the same things? So it's, it's foolish to sit here and engage with an obvious attack by the enemy. Because they understand that fully united, fully forthright, and ready to fight for your beliefs, and ready to stand in the storm for what you know to be right, that threatens them. That threatens their great reset plan. And they can't have that. And they will employ all of the tactics to prevent their plans from being interrupted. So understand that. Understand when, when people try to engage with you in this type of talk of Ron DeSantis versus Trump and choosing sides and disparaging people who might like DeSantis, disparaging people who might like Trump. You liked both of them two weeks ago. You loved both of them two weeks ago. What changed? What changed? The talking points changed. The psychological manipulation changed. And if you fall for it, you are essentially proving Yuval Harari's hypothesis to be true. We are now hackable animals. Don't be a hackable animal, folks. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.